Hey, Trumpcast listeners, as you can probably tell, this is not Virginia or Leon or Yasha, but they gave me permission to hop into your feed. My name is Mary Harris. I'm the host of Slate's new daily news podcast, What Next? Today, I'm here with an episode of my show that I think you're really going to like. It's all about the shady dealings of Trump's inaugural committee, how the first family, they actually made money off the president's inauguration. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to What Next in our own feed and keep up with the show. You can find links to do that in the description of this podcast. We drop new episodes every weekday morning. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Fun fact, Progressive customers can get up to six discounts in six minutes when they sign up for Progressive Auto Insurance. Discounts for things like enrolling in automatic payments, insuring more than one car, going paperless. And of course, you'll get an even deeper discount if you're a safe driver. Plus, if you bundle with your home or add renter's insurance, you can save an average of 12%. There are so many ways to save when you switch. And once you're a customer with Progressive, you'll get unmatched claim service with 24-7 support online or by phone. It's why over 18 million drivers trust Progressive and why they've recently climbed to the third largest auto insurer in the country. Get a quote online at Progressive.com in as little as six minutes and see how much you could be saving. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I need to talk to you about this Trump inaugural committee. It's been subpoenaed for documents. A committee spoke- Earlier this week, we started to get these reports that federal prosecutors were investigating the president's inaugural committee. The way they set up their inaugural committee, how much they raised, how they seemingly raised it, um, was really a recipe for corruption from the very beginning. And, the, the and when I heard all this, I knew I wanted to get Ilya Meritz on the line. You know, you've been trying to figure out what happened at this inauguration for, like, how long now? Uh, about a year. He's the co-host of the Trump Inc. podcast, and he's been thinking about the inauguration ever since he heard how much money the committee raised. $107 million. At the time, I actually didn't know how much an inauguration costs. And then I started comparing it with, like, the wedding of, like, Harry and Meghan and other kind of, like, big ticket things, uh, which cost, like, a fraction of what Donald Trump's inauguration did. And then I started talking with some earlier inauguration planners, and they were like, yeah, this is double what the next most expensive inauguration cost. And they couldn't even figure out how you could get to that number of $107 million. Okay, so do we know where that money went? Not really. (laughs) Ilya says that while this $107 million price tag is shocking, to understand what really went down during President Trump's inauguration, first, we've got to explain how events like this one work in the first place. Inaugurations are this window of opportunity, a way to access someone who's about to have enormous power before some of the checks and balances that come with that power are in full effect. This has always been true. It's just that previous administrations felt a little self-conscious about it. Greg Jenkins, who was George uh, W. Bush's inaugural planner, told me the Bushes are very precise and punctilious about money. And so George W. Bush gave him an exact figure, and he was to raise not a dime more than that amount because he wanted to avoid potential conflicts of interest. He wanted to avoid a situation where there's so much 
money from so many people who want to buy access, you just have to find a place to spend it. You wanted to really raise just exactly what it would cost to pay for the balls to celebrate the peaceful transfer of power and no more. And that's just, you know, a big philosophical difference from Donald Trump's inaugural chairman from the tone that he set. So who was buying access and what were they getting? Today, Ilya is going to take us inside his own investigation into Donald Trump's earliest days as president. It's a story he's still reporting. You know, most inaugurations are one line in the history book, and then the book is quickly put on the shelf to collect dust. It's just very striking that two years later we're talking about this. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. From Slate, a show about philosophy that turns stories into ideas. Modern manners are a form of deception. The best description of what gender is is that it is a cage. Maybe we should just outsource this entire war. After two seasons, Hi-Fi Nation is coming to Slate for season three, with all new episodes starting on January 31st. That's H-I-P-H-I Nation. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi-Fi Nation. Philosophy in story form. Well, so take me to Trump's inauguration. I mean, there was a lot of money coming in, but how is it getting spent? Yeah, so what the inaugural committee does is it pays for everything except what you are likely to watch on TV, which is the swearing in of the president and his uh, his inaugural speech. That's paid for by the government, but everything else is paid for by the inaugural committee. So that includes balls, concerts, parties. It's very much of like a Washington happening. One of the weird things about Donald Trump's inauguration, though, is that even though all this money was coming in and even though, yes, there were all these parties, it was actually kind of more subdued than previous years, right? Yeah. I mean, they didn't get a lot of major entertainers. There were three balls, which is actually a relatively small number at the time. A lot of people commented that it was a pretty modest event by the standards of recent inaugurations. I think Obama may have had nine balls in 2009. And then another thing that made this inauguration different is that the president actually had real estate interests in Washington, right? Yeah. The Trump International Hotel, it's 1100 Pennsylvania Avenue, just a short walk from the White House. That hotel had just opened for business at the time of the inauguration. So a question that I had was, well, did the inaugural committee, the nonprofit inaugural committee, which does not pay taxes, did they spend donor money at the hotel? And what I and my co-reporter, Justin Elliott, found going through documents that that were shared with us is, yeah, they did spend money at the Trump International Hotel. There was a leadership luncheon there. There was also an after party on inaugural night. And we unearthed these emails that showed that the inaugural committee was looking to book the ballroom at the Trump International Hotel for four solid days. And (laughs) what's more... In these emails, we see that the hotel was quoting a price to the inaugural planners that one of those planners thought was way, way high. Uh, And one more and on top of all that and is Ivanka Trump was also CC'd on those emails, and she was specifically warned that the price that they were being quoted looked really high. And not just that the price was high, but that FYI, When we're audited, if we're audited, people will see 
that we're spending this amount of money. And when we say high price, I feel like we should be specific because it, it was like a jaw dropper for me. It was how much was it? One hundred and seventy five thousand yeah. dollars for how much time? It was one hundred seventy five thousand dollars a day. So seven hundred thousand dollars for four days. We can't say yet for sure where the price settled, but the quoted price was $700,000 for four days for a ballroom and some adjacent rooms. That doesn't include catering, by the way. And catering is typically one of the biggest expenses with these kind of deals. But everyone I've talked to thinks that $175,000 a day is very much on the high side of things. Well, it's not just that, though. It's that it's the president's inaugural committee paying the president's hotel for an event for the president, which just looks terrible. It's never happened before that an American president has made money from his own swearing in. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, you know, a groom charging people to attend his wedding or something. <laughs> you know, my, my co-reporter and I, Justin, we, we only just figured this out like two years after the event that the Trump family made money from Donald Trump's inauguration. If we want to take this idea a little bit further, you mentioned the subpoena and the investigations that are happening right now. Well, one of the things prosecutors are looking at is the possibility of illegal foreign contributions to the inaugural committee. It's not foreigners are barred from giving to inaugural committees. If there were illegal contributions like this, in fact, we already know of one such illegal contribution, then potentially we have a situation where the president is being paid with the proceeds of that illegal activity. Hmm. Well, and part of the reason why you are sort of continuing to dig and looking into this foreign donation issue is because of the person who is leading the inaugural committee, right? This guy, Tom Barrick? Yeah, Tom Barrick is someone who is very interesting to journalists like me, and members of the public probably have only a hazy idea of who he is. You might have seen him on TV when he introduced Ivanka Trump at the Republican convention in 2016. But I have to tell you, I feel like the anchovy on Ivanka's Caesar salad. I know you're salivating for that and you're gonna get it. But uh, before I start- He is a California businessman. He and Donald Trump have known each other since the late 80s when Barrick was involved in selling the Plaza Hotel to Donald Trump. In addition, Barrick is interesting because of his business empire. So he founded a company called Colony Capital. It's a private equity group. But Tom Barrick is particularly involved in the Middle East. He's of Lebanese descent. He speaks Arabic. He knows all of the key people in the Persian Gulf. So when you add that all up, you see this really interesting figure being chosen to plan Donald Trump's party. And in many ways, he's an unusual choice. Previous inaugural leaders have been kind of Washington striver types. And if they were going to benefit from the inauguration, you know, it was maybe because they could eventually get a job on K Street and buy a bigger house in the D.C. suburbs or get a good job in the White House and, you know, enhance their prestige. Tom Barrett gets chosen. And I ask the same question, what does he have to gain from this? He's helping his friend and I'm sure that that gave him satisfaction, but this is a busy guy with like access to a private jet. He's taking three months out of his busy private equity business career, managing tens of billions of dollars to plan this party. So what is he doing to make it worth his while? 
And the very first event of the inauguration week was this global dinner he hosted, right? Yeah, it's an, uh, this is an event that has never happened before, but it really put Tom Barrack front and center. It's called the Chairman's Global Dinner. Tom Barrack was the host. The entire diplomatic corps, all the ambassadors were invited. And we figured out, WNYC and ProPublica, we got access to a guest list there. And we saw that Tom Barrack had over 100 guests of his own on his list, right? So people from the worlds of business, international business, there's an Emirati property developer, ambassadors from the S- Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. I see the event as a moment when the spotlight really shone on Tom Barrack for a small group of people who make big investments, people who make big decisions, and their eyes were on Tom, and they were seeing how close Tom Barrick is to Donald Trump and the incoming administration. So it sounds like we still have a lot of questions. We like don't know where this $107 million really went. We don't know who was maybe lining their pockets with inauguration donations. We don't know if foreign interests were paying to sort of get policy favors. And it sounds like what you're saying is that the inauguration is a little bit of a microcosm of how the business of Trump and the politics of Trump intersect and what happens when they do. Yeah, it's a snapshot because remember, Trump's win was unexpected. And so what we see when we look at this snapshot at this moment in time, we we see a, a key Trump ally, Tom Barrack. We see key Trump donors who thought, this is the moment for me to do this thing right now. I want to support this guy. Maybe I want to get his attention. Maybe I want to engender a feeling of gratitude. Maybe I just want to celebrate the fact that he won and I have the money to do it. It's a really interesting snapshot of a moment in time, but we're continuing to fill in a lot of information. Ilya, thank you so much for telling me more about this. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. Ilya Meritz is the co-host of the Trump Inc. podcast, produced by WNYC and ProPublica. Look for his excellent work on trumpincpodcast.org. And if you have some inside information, Ilya is still taking tips. So if you know something about any of this, please get in touch with me. Go to our website, trumpincpodcast.org. It'll explain exactly how to tip us and, and how to tip us confidentially. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris. My producers are Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. Help other people find the show. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't want to leave a paper trail, we can set up a straw donor for you. You can always follow me on Twitter at Mary's Desk. You can also look up pictures of what we're up to at What Next Pod on Instagram. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.